0: It's time for JT the Brick. We kick off the summer of Cliff Branch. Receiver from the University of Colorado,
1: number 21, Cliff Branch.
0: The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long.
1: Back going for Branch at in the end zone. Branch leaping catch. Touchdown, Raiders!
2: Coach, I can beat my guy deep. I said, Cliff, we haven't even played it down yet. How do you, how do you even know who your guy is? The guy
3: was just a nightmare to cover. He said it verbally. You're not going to cover me. You either have it or you don't have it. Well, Cliff had it. J.T. the bread.
0: The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long.
3: If that guy was playing today, he would blow the top off the record book.
2: Talked about the big bad Raiders, and here we had a hide. We had a parade Cliff Branch. He was 155 pounds. He's a Hall of Famer.
0: As we count down to cliff, the summer of cliff on the flagship. And now,
1: here's JT The Bridge.
0: Thanks for coming back everybody. It's baseball trade deadline day. Juan Soto to the Padres, we'll talk about that deal coming up a little bit later on. Uh, San Diego now has I think the best young player in all of baseball. Acquired by the Padres today, uh, Josh Bell included in the return for the Padres. Eric Hosmer had to waive a partial no-trade clause. In this deal here. So the Padres, I had this deal on July 25th. Soto going to the Padres. But I also said they're trying to move Tatis. And I'm getting a lot of heat for that. Because my source is saying that he's heard that Tatis, they're trying to move him. I didn't say to the Nationals. I'm saying they're trying to move Tatis at some point. Didn't say today. I'm just saying that Tatis is in the conversation to be moved. At some point they're going to have Machado and Soto and I don't think they're going to be able to afford Tatis. I'll stay with that. God, I'm getting hammered with that. But I had have the trade right. Soto's there. Didn't see anybody on a podcast in San Diego having that before me. But we'll see what happens here. I don't think that we'll see this happen. But I know that Soto is there and Tatis is rumored in a third-party deal. He has a no-trade clause. He'd have to waive it. He'd have to agree to it. But that's part of the deal. I've heard that Machado doesn't want Tatis. Machado and Soto and Tatis. But we'll see. When you go out you go out on a limb, that's where the fruit is. Coming up next, J.P. Shadrick will join us, senior reporter for the Jaguars, as the Raiders play the Jags coming up on Thursday night. Uh, for the rest of the hour, I'm open after this interview. I'd like to hear from Raider fans on what you want to see in regards to the depth of this game. Who's the player that you want to see, isolated on, you're going to be watching, in this preseason game. Because the Raiders have a bunch of guys on this team. We know who the super starters are. But there are plenty of players competing. Not only to make the roster. But to go from third string to second string. To eventually be a starter if someone gets hurt. And they're going to need the work in games like this. They're going to have to get the work in games like this. Even though stars don't play in the Hall of Fame game. J.P. Shadrack kind enough to join our senior reporter for the Jaguars. He does a great job. J.P., I'll see you in Canton. In a couple of days here, what's your vibe on the Jags and the depth chart and how they're looking and feeling coming into this game?
4: Well, JT, it's good to, to visit with you again. It's been a little bit. We're looking forward to some football here. The the camp has been relatively short. I think the Raiders started camp about four days before the Jaguars did. Jags could have started at the same time. But Doug Peterson Hey, you know, he got a lot done in the off-season program, wanted to give everybody a little extra rest. The rookies and the vets came in on the same day. So by the time the game rolls around Thursday, I think there will be only 11 days of training camp total before the Hall of Fame game and, like, seven or eight morning practices where they have pads and the whole real practice, not a walkthrough, real practices. So um, everybody's in pretty good spirits around here, new coaching staff, a lot of new players, a little new energy. I've said that time and again over the last decade, though, JT. That's how it goes here.
0: Yeah, I know that, and I go back a long way. My in-laws live there, and I'm down in St. Augustine always, and I love you know, some of the Jaguar fans with my years being on the radio there. And this is a team with Urban Meyer last year that people thought were going in all big, Trevor Lawrence, Urban. We know the story. We don't have to revisit it. Now with the new head coach and the rest of the staff, tell me how that staff was broken up, who's coming in there now to help Doug, and how this staff... Staff is going to have more experience with the Super Bowl-winning head coach to take this team eventually back to the
4: playoffs. Well, certainly it starts at the top with with Doug because he's been in the league as a player since 1991 and, of course, throughout uh, most of his coaching career. He had a a few years away after he played and then was a high school coach for a few years. We know his uh, progress as an assistant and then as a head coach of the NFL. But the rest of the coaching staff, well, last year, remember, under Urban Meyer, About half the staff had never coached in the NFL. Uh, Assistant coaches, they just had a different feel about them. Everybody on this staff, for the most part, I think pretty much everybody on this coaching staff has NFL coaching experience. They understand how to approach a professional player and how to teach certain concepts and and how to go about it in the classroom, on the practice field. Um, It's about getting your business done. It's not about who is the boss and who's leading the way and... It's just a different feel around mm-hmm. here, and thats uh, I think the, the players have really taken to that. They, they like the approach so far. It feels like, That well, we'll see when things get real and the regular season comes along, but that's, the, I think, the real big difference. There's no megaphone at practice telling you what session is next. There's not a lot of yelling and screaming. It's a good, strong teaching environment when it needs to be, and it's a professional practice, and uh, it just—it just feels totally different around here.
0: Well, J.P. Shadrick is our guest, senior reporter for the Jaguars. You know, with Trevor Lawrence, it's important because he's supposed to be the cornerstone, the face of the franchise, and eventually recruit players, from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. Look what happened with Devontae Adams. Devontae wanted to play with Derek, and you would think, because of Trevor Lawrence coming in as one of the great college quarterbacks and champions to come in here, that more and more receivers and playmakers are going to want to play with him. What does he look like as the face of the franchise, on the field, off the field, in the community, and his obvious maturity over the years?
4: I think a lot of that, what you're talking about, J.T., will come when the on-field success comes. You know, he didn't quite have a lot of that last year. There was a lot going on around the organization. But I think once he starts putting up those numbers and they start winning some games around here, that's when that reputation around the league will, will start to grow, I think. But I will say this about last season for him. With everything that was going on around here, he a lot of times was the one that had to go out there at a press conference each week and answer questions about all these things that were happening that he had nothing to do with. But that was just the lay of the land. As a rookie, you're dealing with so many other things anyway, having to deal with everything else on top of that, getting asked questions week after week, how it's working in the locker room, what's going on, the reaction of the team. He handled it with poise, he handled it with as much grace as he could. And I think that uh, was a big part of his personality. Like, that, that's, his, that's him. Uh, what we saw last year is him. Now, having success on top of that, not having to answer some of those tough things, I think that will make him a full, well-rounded franchise quarterback. But he's, he's well on his way, and he looks great in camp. I mean, the, you know, the fresh arm, everything looks awesome coming out of it, at least so far, obviously. I haven't played anybody yet. Um, and they've got some weapons around him. They've, he's the guy. And they went out and, and they've tried to at least start building those pieces around him and a guy like Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram, who's had a pretty good camp mm-hmm. so far. Zay Jones, you guys know Zay yeah. very well. So, hey, go get some weapons around this guy and try to score more than 14.8 points per game. That won't compete in the NFL, and they know that.
0: J.P. Shadrick is our guest. We're ahead of the Hall of Fame game Thursday night. Raiders playing the Jaguars, knowing that they're playing here and they're playing in the regular season, kind of bizarre. The league usually doesn't do that. I don't think it's a big deal because they won't see each other for so long. Is that a topic you've been talking about?
4: Not really. I mean, that happens a couple times with us. We, we see Atlanta a lot mm-hmm. uh, in the years we get the NFC South. You know, we'll, we'll get Atlanta pretty much every year in the preseason. And so we'll double dip them. I don't think that's a, a huge deal, especially in the Hall of Fame game. I mean, JT, if, you know, yeah. if any <laughs> starters are out there, they won't play more than a possession or two at the most, I would guess, at least on the Jaguars' side. Trevor Lawrence is not going to go. We know that today. Uh, C.J. bethard has been recovering from an offseason groin issue. He won't play, so Jake Luton will get the start at quarterback for the Jaguars Thursday night. Um, You might have – I don't think the starting receivers are going to go. That's my gut on that. Like, why would you risk those guys in the first uh, four preseason games? You might – there's a couple offensive line question marks. They've got some battles going on there. You'll want to see a couple of those guys right tackle maybe, and uh, you're going to get the rookie center out there. Um, And then on defense, it might be a different perspective. I think there's probably going to be some vet guys that start on defense, maybe a drive or two, and then get them the heck out of there too. But you want to see that number one overall pick in Trayvon Walker. I think he'll get some time.
0: As we wrap this up, tell me about the Jaguars' pass rush because you know the Raiders have Chandler Jones and Mad Max Crosby. I mean, those are two really good players that the Raiders are counting on getting to the quarterback, which will help the back end of the Raider defense, something that needs to be improved on. What do you see with the Jags up front because they put some draft equity into that over the years? How is that position group developing?
4: They certainly have. I mean, they have drafted yeah. uh, everybody and their brother on defense and on the defensive line. Over the last few years, it feels like Josh Allen's the guy. They're they're building around him. It's his fourth year. They already gave him the fifth year option, so he'll make eleven point three or whatever that is in twenty twenty three. But if he has a big year. This year, of course, all bets are off. You can redo some things. He's the guy they drafted him in the first round a few years ago. Had a Pro Bowl runner's rookie year. Was banged up a little bit. And of course last year, everything going on uh, just didn't work out well for him. But he's back. He's poised. He's ready. He's in great shape. And then you throw Trayvon Walker on the other side of him. Mm-hmm. They're playing him at outside linebacker. Uh, and and I think the, the idea is that he can do multiple things if they need him to. They focused him in the off season at that outside linebacker spot instead of moving him around. Uh, like I said in the off season a lot around here, I think once you get in the camp and once you get in the games, you realize, oh wait a minute, we can move him inside. Three technique, do some things there uh, that maybe a, a guy like Aiden Hutchinson wouldn't be able to do. I think that's why they picked him number one overall. Those are your guys in the out. They revamped the inside linebacker spot, too. Devin Lloyd's been banged up. He's another first-round pick this year. They can move him around a little bit, maybe get some rush out of him at some point. Uh, But not yet. He won't play. He's going to be out. He's been out with a hamstring issue. Um, So there's there's a little bit of something there, but they've tried it a number of different ways. Uh, They've got some veteran interior defensive line players that they've had the last couple years around here. That are trying to take a step as well, but those guys on the outside will lead the way. Josh Allen's defense, in my opinion, and then Trayvon Walker. You know, Josh Allen's a big guy anyway, JT, right? Like he's he's you know he's he's in great shape, and then Trayvon Walker walks out there, and it's like, okay, there's a reason that guy's the number one overall pick. He looks the part coming off the bus. He's just got to look the part on the grass.
0: Uh, finally a big deal for Tony Baselli you know Richard Seymour played with the Raiders but mostly a patriot and then Cliff Branch who waited way too long uh teammates with Pete Banizek. I know you know Pete when he lived down there and this is a big event for the Raiders and Mark Davis the owner as he's enshrining Cliff Branch tell me about Tony Baselli how important this is for Shad Khan and the organization to have this Hall of Fame moment I mean it, it you can't
4: so you can't tell the story of the NFL now without the Jaguars, right? That's what happens when you get a guy in the Hall of Fame. Remember, this is only the 28th season of (laughs) Jaguars football. This is not the Raiders, right? This is a little different. Um, So he was the first ever draft pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 1995 as an expansion team, of course, out of Southern Cal, the second overall pick that year and then was part of those great teams in the late 90s that made the run in 96 to the AFC Championship game. They kept winning games in 97-98, went back to the AFC game in 99. And then around 2001, he had a shoulder issue. Uh, there was a botched surgery. He was an expansion draft pick of the new Houston Texans at that time, but never played a game for them. A uh, 91-game career, but pretty much to a man, Any any of those – Big-time left tackles in that area, you ask. They say Tony was the best of all of them, and it's it's great to finally see him uh, get that recognition, and I can't wait to get up to Canton. It's uh, it's going to be a fantastic weekend, and I don't know if a lot of fans maybe realize it right now in Jacksonville, but when you look back on this 5, 10, 15 years from now, yeah. this is an absolute milestone in the organization to finally have a player in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and maybe it opens some doors for some other guys down the line.
0: I'll see you in Canton. Really appreciate you doing this. Thanks so much for coming on.
4: Always enjoy it, and we'll look forward to seeing you this week.
0: You got it, JP Shadrick, senior reporter for the Jaguars, involved with their pregame and game day broadcast, and we appreciate that he comes on here. Jaguars, this is you know we'll have him on before the regular season game. The regular season game is going to be a big one, and look, a lot of those games are going to be really important. Going to be really important and make or break games for the Raiders. You know, if you look at the Jaguars on the schedule, the Texans on the schedule, some of the teams where you, the Raider fans, are saying, well, you know, we're going to win those games. Those are the wins. You have the Raiders winning 10, 11 games, whatever the number is. Vegas has them at eight and a half. You got to beat the Jaguars. You got to beat the Jaguars. And the Jaguars are really good. They're better. I mean, they're a team that struggled last year, but. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, can you imagine what Trevor Lawrence is going to see when he's going up against Mad Max and Chandler Jones coming off the edge? I mean, the base protection that they're going to have to put in in Jacksonville for that offensive line. And he mentioned a good point. Jacksonville overspent. They went out and got Christian Kirk. They paid him from Arizona, probably the most ungodly raised money I've ever seen. And they got Zay Jones. And we like Zay here last year. Zay made a couple of big plays. But the Raiders weren't going to pay Zay Jones, what Jacksonville did. And that's why you always wish people well when they get paid. Right? They get paid. They leave the Raiders. They go on because they have a decent year. And then they get paid in free agency. That's business. So we wish Zay Jones nothing but the best. I'm sure a lot of his teammates are going to be hugging him and saying hello in the pregame warm-up. But don't expect him to play. So what what should we expect in this game, Raider fans? I'm free to the top of the hour. If you want to give it a shot, come on in. What do you expect to see from here on out with this team? Who's the backup player who's going to play in this game? Someone's got to play, right? They're going to come out. This is on NBC in primetime. Raiders are going to put a team on the field. Who are you looking at saying, you know something? I'm keeping my eye on him. He's got to do something for me because this could be a game where a third stringer, a backup, a guy that could be on the practice squad, has a big game on special teams. Something happens, a block, a fumble, a recovery on a punt, and then all of a sudden we're sitting at home on TV going, ooh, oh, wow, I've been hearing about him at camp. He looks like he can make a play. And then you that's how this builds. That's how this happens. That's what we look for. 702-365-9200. And I got a couple of players in that position as the depth chart is released. I want to see the rotation on the offensive line. What happens with Dylan Parham? Where is he on the offensive line? Where do we see him play? Leatherwood has to play. Now, how much should Leatherwood play? That's a really interesting comment. How much should he play? I would play Alex Leatherwood a half. Not a series. I would play him more. But I don't know. Maybe because he's so important that he's going to start at right tackle or right guard that you say, hey, man, we're treating him as a starter. We are treating him as a starter. Let's do what we're doing across the board. We're not playing the starters. Because Leatherwood's a starter either at right tackle or right guard, and he could be moved back after the preseason into a second-string position. I hope not because I I want the kid to succeed. I like Alex Leatherwood. I want him to be really good. I want him to be excited. I want him to be ready to roll, and maybe a game, a quarter, a half, building his building his energy will get him going. Building his energy is something to get him going. Uh, let's get Mitch. Mitch, you've been waiting. We'll get you up first. Go ahead, Mitch.
2: JT,
3: how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, I don't like this extra game that the Rays have to play this preseason, but I'm looking forward to uh, mm-hmm. uh, White. Uh, I. More than just uh, special teams and and Mullins. And he said something about the Paji. That is some lineup, and I believe Tatis Jr. is signing long term. He just got hurt foolishly these past two seasons. Part of it, at least. That is some lineup. The lineup
0: lineup is great. I don't think it's going to last. I don't think that they're going to be able to, and I appreciate the call, I don't think they're going to be able to afford that and have him long term. I don't think they're going to be able to have all three of them. This isn't the Yankees and Dodgers. And if Soto would get rid of that no-trade clause and go to a team and take all that money and that team would take it on, I'm going to stand by that. I think that Tatis will be the player on the way out when it happens. Passionate Raider. Up next is the Raiders play on Thursday night. Thanks for waiting.
4: Thank you, JT, man. How you doing today, man? It's beautiful out here in Illinois. I'm on my way to a bass tournament right now. I'm trying to go lay to smack it down on these guys, just like my Raiders going to lay to smack it down on Thursday I want to see Leatherwood play a half, JT. I really do. I want to see what this kid has. I want to see the work he's put in. I want to see it translate on the field. Because if he can't play a half and dominate in this game, I, I don't know, man. We're going to be scratching ahead about this one, too, man. But I'm behind the guy. I got faith. I got confidence in him. I like everything I heard about Leatherwood. I want to see this offensive line just come out and be gritty and dirty and knock these boys back. Because this is a Hall of Fame game. This just ain't no regular preseason game for us this year, JT. This is a this is a special, special day for Cliff Branch. And I just want every one of them Raiders to come out and just start this year off and make a statement to the NFL and let them know who we are. Let's go. Come on, Raiders. Let's go, JT. Yeah, there
0: will not be a statement made at the Hall of Fame game. I don't think the statement will be made at the Hall of Fame game. The statement's going to be made when you see the TV cameras at the induction of Cliff Branch who go second to last. That's going to be interesting when you see the amount of people that are there and then the party and the rumors before the party and the photos after the party and all of that. That's going to be really good. That's going to be really good. So we'll get back to your phone calls coming up next. Again, open lines here. A lot of trades are happening in baseball right now. A lot. So I'll try to get you up to date on some of them that are here. Juan Soto. Juan Soto to the Padres. I think would be fantastic if uh, they're able to keep that team together. All of a sudden, the Dodgers now have to pay attention more to the Padres. But the Padres have a long road to catch the Dodgers. And what the Yankees are doing in the East and some of the other teams that need to make moves. JT on the flagship brought to you by Remy Martin. Team Up for Excellence. Oh, I love that, and I want to thank Remy Martin. uh, They've just been fantastic. Remy Martin's been unbelievable. 1738 Cognac is all about sharing great moments, just like these great Raider moments that we're going to have at the Hall of Fame. We thank Remy Martin for teaming up with us as our proud partner and getting us to Canton, Ohio. If you're going, let us know. Find me. Hit me up on Twitter, at JTTheBrick, or reach out to us when we hit the ground there. It's going to be pretty obvious to find the Raiders. We'll be doing some radio shows over by the school, which is right next to the stadium there. I know Q, Vinny, there's going to be some broadcasts. I'm doing an hour from there, doing the pregame show on Thursday, and I'm excited about the pregame show there, because the pregame is going to be very exciting. To see the Raiders come out of the locker room for the first time with Josh McDaniels, who played all his football there as a kid. So it's a homecoming for him and what that game will mean. And they'll do a nice job. They'll do a nice job on television mentioning Cliff Branch. So do me a favor, DVR that game. It's on your TV Thursday night, primetime, 8 o'clock Canton time, 5 o'clock Pacific time. Just hit your DVR so you have it because... They do a nice job. That's Sunday Night Football. They'll do a great job in regards to all the promotion around the game because the game isn't much. Not a lot in the game. So what they'll do is they'll do a lot of features along the way. That should have a lot to do with the history of the Raiders, the Hall of Fame, and Cliff Branch. Gangster Raider up next right here on the flagship. Go ahead.
3: Hey, what's happening, JT? I just want to say rest in peace to the greatest of all time, I mean, um, Bill Russell, because to me he's the GOAT. Everybody want to argue out of LeBron and Jordan. But to me, he's the GOAT. And also, I want to say um, Cliff was like the modern. Like he, he brought in. He opened the door for the modern wave of wide receivers today. And without him, it wouldn't be no Andy Moss or no of no these other receivers. And I think every receiver should be there to bring him in. You know what I'm saying? To bring him into the Hall of Fame this weekend. And I will not be able to make it, but I got a ticket. And I don't want the ticket to go the way. So is there some way I can get the ticket to you? You know what I'm saying? you give it to somebody to go in because I don't want it to go to waste because I won't be able to make it because my flight got canceled and I, was, oh, I didn't wow. have reservations anyway. You know? Yeah, so I, 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 don't know. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I don't know how we could do that other than if Q or Vinny or someone else is also listening and all, all we could do is, you know, gangster raiders stay here and, I'm, and get your information. And if someone calls in and is going and they want a ticket. Uh, they can get in touch with you. That's the best I can say. Uh, do you have you obviously have it digitally, and you could transfer it. Is that how that works?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll put the word out. I mean, you know how many people are listening and downloading and streaming us around the country. So hopefully, someone pops in and calls in and says they want that ticket. And if they do, uh, we'll put you in touch with them.
3: All right, and now, as soon as we smack the Chargers in the mouth um, in the home, I mean the opener in L.A., I'll be there at the opener in L.A. and the opener in Vegas against Arizona. As soon as we smack them in the mouth, then the media will stop, be, you know, being their darlings and they'll hop on us. Watch. As soon as we smack them in the mouth, we won. And I'll be there. i see you there um, in yep. L.A. You Because I can't make it to Canton. Sounds All good. Right.
0: Thanks for calling in. Thanks for offering up that ticket. That's Gangster Raider. If you're going to Canton and you want a ticket for the game, he has one for you because he can't make it. You know, he said, what did he say? His flight was canceled? Wow. I mean, that's really that's really the problem with traveling, man. That is really the the problem with what's happening. Joey Gallo traded to the Dodgers today. Wow. Bishop Gorman's Joey Gallo, who was an absolute bust for the Yankees. And I rooted hard for him, man. He went to Bishop Gorman, and I wanted him to do well. I saw him play high school and great player, but he's been a disaster batting 159 for the Yankees, 159 for the Yankees. Just a terrible, terrible season, and they moved him to the Dodgers. So the Dodgers will have another bat. And look, if Gallo gets hot and Gallo starts hitting, then Gallo can just get in the zone. He walks, and remember, he's won a gold glove. So Gallo can run the bases and do a lot of things, but if it didn't work out in New York, is it going to work out in L.A.? So I'm shocked by that. That just came aboard as we're getting a chance to see that. All right, 702-365-9200 with about a half hour to go here. Uh, The uh, Dolphins lose a first-rounder for tampering with Tom Brady. Hey, Raider Nation, how about a comment on Tom Brady here? you think that Tom Brady should get any heat for this? He'll be the only Hall of Famer ever to be be suspended for four games because of deflate gate. He lost in federal court. There's been other players that have been reprimanded, but none have been suspended because they lost in federal court. Now, Brady's the greatest player of all time, and he's married to a Brazilian swimsuit model in Giselle. He's got a lot of good things going for him, but you got to think that Brady was involved with this and knew about it. So what Brady could have did, which he didn't do, the Dolphins were trying to tamper to get him to go to Miami. And Chris, you jump on with me on this. He's there. His agent, Don Yee, is aware of It means Brady knows about it. So Brady can do one of two things, shut up and not say a word because it benefits him if it helps him out long-term getting to Miami or turning him in
1: for tampering and he wasn't going to turn anyone in. So w- how is Brady complicit in this? Well, he, he, he should be taking some heat, I mean, in my opinion. I'm, yeah. Certainly I'm, I'm no fan of Tom Brady, so anytime I have the opportunity to, to slight him, I'm going to do it. But, yeah, he absolutely should get some heat because, you know, if there's anything you and I know, I mean, we're, we're around athletes all the time they don't know anything or, or they know everything because their agents are in constant contact with them. And one of the things that I, I've come to learn is generally when the agents are involved, there's a little bit of push from the player. And, you know, this was when New England was going through all, all the issues, right? He was still bitter about the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. So I I, I think he absolutely needs to get some heat in this, JT, because there, there's no way he didn't know. He did know. You, you nailed yeah. it. He did know. And, and yeah. the way I look at it is there may have been some some push on his end to, to, to start this contact with with his agent. That is a great point
0: because in order for them to be tampering and for, to go on this long, the Dolphins are losing a first-round pick because they tampered with Tom Brady. And let me repeat, everybody, they tampered with him in two teams. This goes back to New England and Tampa Bay. And Chris made a great point here is that if Brady was interested That probably kept the tampering going, right? Is that what you meant by that? Brady's interested in this and telling Don Yee, and we don't know this, but assuming this, we're doing talk radio. And Brady's like, hell yeah. And you notice where Brady's living now. He's building the biggest mansion. In Miami. In Miami. Yep. And where did that come from? So Brady was complicit, most likely, in knowing that the vice chairman and limited partner, Bruce Spiel, was involved in sending these messages back and forth from Brady, Brady's agent, back to the owner, because they were tampering. They didn't want Tua. They didn't want Flores. Flores knew about it. Flores spoke up. Flores got fired. He's suing the league. And today isn't a good move, a good day for Brian Flores in this lawsuit because the lawsuit alleged racism in the league's hiring practice. And that really wasn't addressed today. It was just about the owner, Ross, tampering here. And I think that's a really big deal.
1: Yeah, and the thing with Brady, he could have shut it down right away. Yeah. I mean, he, he absolutely could have slammed great the door point, on it. Great point. And the whole thing with Flores, I mean, I liked Brian Flores, and I'm, I'm kind of pissed off that he's probably not going to get another chance because I think the guy's a pretty good coach. No
0: doubt about it. 702-365-9200. This is a national topic on Raider Nation Radio. Right? That's what we do here. We, I'm not, not going to talk about third-string Raider players in Canton. I'm talking about the big news of today, and that's the Dolphins and the owner that voted against the Raiders moving to Las Vegas, now getting suspended from the league. So Deshaun Watson, you know, everybody's going on social media saying, Deshaun Watson got six games for this. And what about the owners and all of that? That's what the fight is now, everybody, inside the NFL. The fight inside the league now between the players which is the union the NFLPA and the owners is it's got to be even if you're going to reprimand players you have to reprimand owners and what no one understands here is how come this owner was just reprimanded till October 17th when did that deal come up here Ross was fined 1.5 million and suspended through October 17th where he's not allowed to be around the Dolphins. He can't be at the facility, can't represent the team, can't be around him at all. Well, why October 17th? Why not January of 2023? So the union's looking at this going, whoa, wait a second. How are we talking about discipline here? And you know, for the NFL, the NFL wanted to move the Flores lawsuit to arbitration, and today wasn't a good move for Brian, a good day for Brian Flores, but he'll still have his day in court. The NFL commends Brian Flores for his commitment to winning despite Stephen Ross's comments, but it doesn't look like Stephen Ross is going to get any more heat from that. Who was lying? the owner who's now suspended, or Brian Flores, the African-American coach who wanted to win coming from the Belichick tree and seemed to be doing everything right and was fired with a winning record. Let's not forget that. He had a winning record and he was fired. And I find it really interesting, as Mike Florio pointed out, that the NFL came out with their findings of the investigation of these Flores allegations, and it really didn't go to the edge on this. Saying Ross made comments that could have been interpreted that way. And Flores coached to win, even though his boss suggested that he shouldn't. So for Brian Flores, he's got to continue to fight with his attorneys. Uh, The comment today is the comments made by Mr. Ross did not affect Coach Flores' commitment to win. And the Dolphins competed to win every game. Coach Flores is to be commended for not allowing any comment about the relative importance of draft position affect his commitment to win throughout the season. That comes from Roger Goodell. So Roger Goodell is telling us two things here. He's saying congrats to Flores who coached the team hard and ended up getting fired, but Mr. Ross, the owner, did not affect the team's commitment to win. What is that? Someone's lying. You can't have it both ways. And I remind those who are joining us late that Stephen Ross wanted the Raiders not to come to Vegas. He was the guy that stepped out. I remember that like it was yesterday. I remember being on the day of that vote and talking about it. So that's where we're at. Tom Brady spoke uh, about 54 days ago on the Dolphins' interest. I mean, you can get a lot of video of Tom Brady over the last 20 years of him saying things. At the Super Bowl with Spygate, Deflategate, uh, Federal Court in New York. The Finns are interested in him. All of this stuff with Brady. I hope someone's accumulating all this video. He's still going to be the greatest player of all time. But believe me, Brady has walked around some landmines. There's been some things blowing up around him. And now the fact that he is the subject of tampering and the owner is going down with a suspension. And good old Tommy is throwing workouts and having workouts here in Tampa like there's no big deal. Man, NFL media is big today, but baseball media is bigger. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show, and then I'm on the road tomorrow. We're off tomorrow. Harry Ruiz will be in for me. Thursday, the pregame show. Friday, we'll be live from Canton on the air and the best of Cliff with some of our best moments with all of our guests that joined us. The summer of Cliff Branch was a tremendous success because of you, the great listeners to Raider Nation Radio, and I thank you deeply. JT, back with you on baseball trade line day. Man, there were a lot of deals that went down just as we're on the air. So pretty crazy all the moves here and what teams are doing and the trade tracker and everybody that's trying to do a deal and the Phillies acquired right-hander David Robertson from the Chicago Cubs. As I look at the big deal, the Padres shed Eric Hosmer's contract in a trade with the Red Sox. Uh, That was a big deal. Eric Hosmer out of the Juan Soto trade after rejecting a deal to Washington, the Boston Red Sox swooped in and acquired him from San Diego. San Diego will be paying down a significant portion of the $44 million remaining on his contract. That's a big deal. Dodgers with Joey Gallo and then the blockbuster Juan Soto. The Padres have acquired superstar outfielder Juan Soto. First baseman Josh Bell from the Nationals bunch of prospects went back in return. Also, Luke Voigt headed back to Washington. So when you look at all these deals here, like, I, I look at it simply this. The rich get richer. We're aware of all this. What does the team need to do to get over the hump? Still coming down to the Astros, Yankees, and the Dodgers, and maybe now the Padres. Well, the Padres waited and waited and waited, and now they got to get Soto to track down the Dodgers, and that's going to be very hard to do. Because the good news for the Padres is they're going to be a wild-card team, guaranteed wild-card team, with Soto. Guaranteed. So they're going to get in the playoffs. The question is, what can they do after that? Can they win in the playoffs? And yeah, sure they can. They can win a wild-card round if they don't catch the Dodgers and then play the Dodgers early in the playoffs and beat them with the middle of that lineup. That's why you do deals like that. All right, let's continue. Big Al in San Francisco on the flagship of the Raiders. Big Al, what's happening?
2: No, you know, JT everything is good. I just, you know, I ended up in this fantasy football draft yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's not really quite my thing, but um it's a guy of my neighborhood and all the guys in his store and they really you know, they went out and they invited me in on the only like non-guy who doesn't work there. Mm-hmm. So, we did this draft for 30 days, 38 days out. Why am I bringing this up? Because everybody in there is bringing up injuries. Everybody's mm-hmm. talking about this guy's not playing. This guy's, you know, this guy did a stupid PED thing. Etc. Etc. And I'm looking at the NFL, and I take a look at it back from you know the what I consider the heyday in the NFL when Lawrence Taylor was just you know busting out on top of you know left tackles and changed the game of football. Is that these guys don't play because they're working out all year round? Mm-hmm. They don't let their bodies get rest. And now when they get into OTAs, mini camps, and preseason, you know the teams are like, no, you can't play. We got to conserve your your our investment, mm-hmm. and then but yet they're going to go out and sell tickets for these things, and you know, and the, the fans are going to get a second-rate product. Right. My take on the whole thing is, is that OTAs are ridiculous. mini camps are quasi-ridiculous, and that if these guys aren't going to roll out and play and get themselves ready and, you know, mm-hmm. during now what is three preseason games except for two teams that have four games, it's like, why are they even doing that? It, to me, it's gone. It, to me, it's just gotten absolutely silly. Yesterday, um, uh, Tim Pat, or this morning, I think it was Tim Patrick yeah, went down. Broncos. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a big. That's a big loss. But everybody in my in this fantasy league I'm in is sending out text messages today saying how big Jerry Judy is now. And I'm like, well, like out. Okay, let's get the best players on the field. Let's train them correctly. Not to, let's not train twelve months. Go back to the way the league used to be with training. We had better football. It was more exciting. Guys didn't get hurt as much. Yeah, And I thought it was a better game.
0: Well, Big Al, you make a good point. You make a really good point on this because these guys get paid such money. I look at it as a year-round job. They, get, they play during the season, but they have mandatory camps. They have training camp. They have OTAs. They have volunteer. They're, they're paid year-round. Max Crosby now making well over $100 million, Devontae and all that. They're employees of the team, and they're supposed to stay in shape, and the best players do. And you make a good point. How could you become a better football player if you're not involved with contact, you're not playing physical, you're not playing in preseason games, And I think everybody has come to an agreement that they're too valuable to lose to a small injury before the start of the season to play them any time in the preseason. And back to your point. Fans go to preseason games because a lot of fans can't afford and can't go to regular season games. And you're right. They get a watered-down product. They don't get a competitive game. They just get the entertainment of going into the stadium, being at a real football game, even though it's a preseason game. And I think the league's got a big problem with it. It's the ultimate sign of load management.
2: Yeah, the league has a big problem with it, and it's kind of forced upon themselves because the teams are like, well, we're paying you all this money. And therefore, um, you need to train 12 months a year. And I'm like, time out. Okay. Your, the human body hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the human body takes a pounding in this game. Why did Debo Samuel sa- sign for, I think, only three years? Got a lot of upfront money? Because he won't be playing football in the fourth Great year. Point. He, he, you know, that's why he took the three years with the, with the big money. The game has changed. The, the owners are willing to pay out the big money as long as you train for 12 months. But until the human body changes or the science of, on how to be able to work out changes, You're making uh, some of these guys are just making incredibly bad investments. And my, my take mm-hmm. is, if we, you're done with the year, whatever your last game is, if it's not the Super Bowl, if, if it's in the playoffs, it's the last game you lost, or if you're not good enough to make the playoffs, it's the last game of the regular season. You meet with the coach the next day. You meet with the trainer hopefully that day or maybe the mm-hmm. day after. F- take, you know, figure out an off-season regimen that starts maybe two months out. Let your body rest. Go back to what you, what you witnessed mm-hmm. when you were a kid in Long Island, what I did in Rockin County, and go watch the Giants and the Jets play uh, basketball on Tuesday nights in local gyms for charity against the high school teachers. That was the way they used to stay yeah. in shape, and didn't see that we didn't see these crazy, bad injuries right now these guys are blowing out patellas, ACL et yeah. et cetera, because cetera, they overtrain, and now, now they get the camp and now they want to stop them from training. I'm like, okay, let's rethink this whole thing okay. because until the human body changes, you're, go, you're all going down the wrong
0: path. Yeah, thanks for the call, Big Al. Appreciate it. It's really, he, he makes an interesting point. These guys are in such massive shape with their private trainers and what they do year-round. And then you want to start them up and shut them down, shut them down, start them up. Uh, I've been doing this a long time. You're 24 with the Raiders. I've been to every training camp. This is my 24th year. I've been to ones back in the day 20 years ago that were insane. Insane to see what I saw at goal line and the fights and the intensity and the pads every day. And now I'm cool with what they do now. They're thoroughbred athletes. You don't want to tweak them. You want to keep them healthy. But can you develop into being a precision football player hitting the ground running with limited contact in the preseason? That's why I've always said I'd like to play Patrick Mahomes week one. I would. He hasn't played a game. I want to see him. Get him week one, he hasn't thrown a ball in the preseason. But the same goes for Derek Carr. Raiders can't afford to lose Derek Carr. Kansas City can't afford to lose Patrick Mahomes. Same goes for Justin Herbert and Denver. Now, what he said about Denver is a big deal. Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick led the team in touchdowns last season, carted off the field. Tuesday, right knee injury, and he's going to miss a lot of time. And Nathaniel Hackett, the new coach, said, Guy like Tim, it breaks your heart. The worst part of the game is when things like this happen. You don't want to see that with Devontae. You know, but I've been at practice and Devontae's running these corner routes and trying to get his footwork down precision-wise. It's beautiful to watch. It really is beautiful to see a player with that skill set. So I think Raider fans have evolved with this on this topic. It isn't the days of Jim Otto where you're bleeding at practice, right? Because you're, you're playing 2 days in practice. It's not like that anymore. This is a new era of the NFL. They want to protect the players. They want to make sure the players have limited contact. And then when the season starts, it turns into a bloodbath. And the teams that have the deepest rosters, the deepest rosters are the ones. You have to have the best stars and the deepest rosters. And I think that's going to be a problem with Tom Brady this year. A couple of injuries, big one on the offensive line, no gronk. The depth is a little bit weaker there. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, thanks to Chris Chapman who sat in for Bobby today. I really appreciate that. Uh, hopefully Bobby's back here tomorrow. Harry Ruiz will be in for me uh, tomorrow as I travel uh, tomorrow morning to Canton. Let me tell you a little bit about Canton from what I know, and I just got my itinerary today. It's big. They're going big, and the Raiders are going in there to make a statement. Not everybody's going to be invited. There's a lot of private Raider events that Mark Davis is putting on, and then there's a lot of public Raider events. There's going to be plenty for everybody. But this is huge. Do me a favor. I'm going right now. Right now I'm going to the Raider Image at the stadium. I got my Cliff Branch Hall of Fame shirt waiting for me by my buddy Tom who runs it there. Going to go down there and get that. Everybody try to order one of these new Cliff Branch Hall of Fame shirts and wear it. Wear it around town. Let everybody see how important Cliff is to all of us as he's looking down and smiling. I want to thank Raymond Chester, who came on today. Uh, Raymond always gets emotional. He was pretty emotional because he just lost Bill Russell, who was his dear friend. And Cliff Branch was his roommate. So he's dealing with that. Uh, J.P. Shadrick was fantastic. He joined us, the senior reporter for the Jaguars. I'll see him in Canton. And then Jeff Sherman, uh, the man who's in charge of risk management. Uh, VP over there at the Westgate on some of the numbers moving. My big takeaway from that conversation is they moved the Chargers from 10 to 10.5, or I think he said 10.5 to 11. I'll double-check on that, and they're 10-1, to down from 14-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Wow. I would love for nothing more because I'm getting killed by Padre fans today because I got it right. I picked Soto to go there. They beat me up because of Tatis, and I'm taking the pain. But I would love nothing more than to see the Raiders go into L.A., to go into SoFi Week 1 and get out of there with a win. That will tamper everything down. If the Chargers win that game, it's not going to be the end of the world. It's a Raider road game. It's not the end of the world. But the Charger hype machine will be out of the gate like a locomotive. So the Raiders are in control of that. And I like the Raiders' chances because I think that's a game where Derek Carr is going to have to go up. And see Justin Herbert on the other sideline and said, you know, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to throw for 410. I'm going to go downfield against Khalil Mack and Bosa, and we're going to figure it out. And Josh McDaniels, I have more confidence than Boy Blunder over there on the Chargers sideline. That's going to be big. Huge game. And then Arizona comes in for the home opener for the Raiders. It's a huge game. Kyler Murray's going to be running around. No DeAndre Hopkins. That helps out. And the Raiders hopefully should win that game and go to 2-0 and or 1-1 and at a minimum. But I think the Raiders started off fast the last two years as they moved to Vegas, and hopefully that trend continues. Talk to you from Canton tomorrow. If you're going to be there, look me up, and I'll see you there right outside the Hall of Fame with an ice-cold Modelo. Ice-cold Modelo right outside the Hall of Fame. I usually say meet me at the Torch. Meet me in Canton, Ohio. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. Thursday night, the Hall of Fame game tune into the broadcast Eric Allen and I kick it off